Life. Uh, welcome to another episode of No Politics, Just Music. Today we're going to talk about Rage Against Machines, Rage Against the Machine, and the idols' joy in the act of resistance. And I'm joined by one of my mates in New Zealand, Brandon. How's it going, Brandon? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'm glad you uh, finally agreed to do it. <laughs> it's taken a little <laughs> bit to take you down. Yeah, it's um, been a couple of months of um, <laughs> slowly putting it off, I guess. Yeah, I had the same thing with Connor, trying to track him down, trying to get him to commit to a date. Like he said, I'll eventually get you. So anyone else who's listening, just uh, give in. It's easier. <laughs> so yeah, you sent me Rage Against Machines, Rage Against Machine, which I've, I've stated previously on this podcast is my favorite album of all time. I'm glad that you sent it to me. Um, I don't know who else I would have sent it to. So I guess my first question is, why Why did you choose this album? Yeah, well, to be honest, um, <clears throat> I didn't really think about it too much, actually. I guess uh, I knew it was a, an album that we uh, both really liked. probably definitely within my top three at least. I guess we had uh, quite a few you know, drunken nights at uni where you know, we'd listen through the whole album multiple times even <laughs> and I probably listened to it most at university actually but since then I haven't I haven't stopped listening to it it's still probably my most played album even now and I, <laughs> I guess when I first saw the the name of your podcast no politics just music I was like mm, this sounds like a, a wee bit of a challenge for you <laughs> to know if it's um possible not to let any politics be involved in in such an album so that should be should be interesting like you say it'd be really difficult to avoid talking about that but um first on just the music side like is there a reason why it's in your top three albums yeah because like all albums in my top three you know it's that it's that energy and that passion sort of joined together with everyone all members of the band sort of you know fitting together so well like <clears throat> you even hear know what the what the band members have gone on to do in the other work and most of the time well audio slaves may be kind of slightly out of it but all the all the other work they've done is kind of you know it's just doesn't quite live up to the same sort of standard sort of <clears throat> with all of them together it's um yeah they're just kind of clipped i guess for me like that's what i love about this album the reason why it's probably my favorite album is because every time i listen to it i get like the same reaction from it yeah it always makes me feel well, excuse me, very hyped up, very energetic. Yeah. And then I yeah. don't think I have, I, I can't think of another album that like every time I listen to it gives me, you know, that level of feeling. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, especially for, <laughs> I used to play it when I was going for runs or trying to go for runs, you know, it's that sort of energy, I guess, that just gets you, gets you hyped, gets you pumping. And I guess that's why it's pretty good for <laughs> putting on at a party as well. Yeah. There's only one song that's like, I wouldn't call it a party song, and that's Settle for Nothing. Yeah, it is, a, I guess, a bit slower, but less uh, energy. Yeah, it's a bit of an outlier. Basically, all the other songs are just full-on aggression from start to finish. And that one, I mean, it's not that it doesn't have aggression to it, but it's a lot more contrasting between the verses and the choruses. Yeah, like you said, we we spent a lot of time at uni listening to this album as well, so it was at that flat on, I forget what road it is. Um, oh, Tinnakori Road. Tinnakori Road, stand up till like five or six in the morning, listening to Rage Against the Machine and playing FIFA. 
<laughs> Standard Friday night. And now, because like here in Glasgow, I've I've got like not a great stereo system, but a pretty big stereo system, which makes listening to music different because on albums like this, like you hear every aspect of it. These albums, like especially you know Raging Machines, Metallica, a lot of those metal bands, like become even more powerful with you know, big sounds. Yeah, definitely. That makes so much more of an impact with a good audio system, especially um you know get the uh, those bloody amazing bass licks going through there. A pretty, pretty good bonus, really. Kind of lacking that at the moment, just pretty much listening to everything through headphones, and it's, it's been a bit of a pain, but a good audio system can be you know, pretty pricey. Yeah, it was... Um, so when I first moved to Glasgow, I moved into an unfurnished flat. The first thing I bought was... The night I moved in, I bought, like, a duvet and some sheets. So I slept on the floor for six nights. So that was the Monday night. On the Wednesday night, I went out to pick up two speakers. So the, the speakers for my sound systems. <laughs> you know, I was living in this unfinished <laughs> flat, sleeping on the floor, but I had my speakers at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's, um, why am I not surprised, eh? It just reminds me of the your, your bed story buying the... Yeah. What was it? It was a queen-size mattress and a double-size base or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I've done that twice now as well. What's the worst part? Oh, jeez. Two separate houses in, um, in Wellington. But that, that, those, those six nights on the floor sort of reminded me that I was, um, I was, I was 26 at the time and my back was starting to hurt at the end of it. If I was, if I was 21 again, that wouldn't have been an issue, I guess. No, no, unfortunately, um, <laughs> we can't do things like how we used to. So getting back to the, the album, do you have like a favourite track from it? That's a, that's a pretty difficult question. I was kind of expecting you'd, <laughs> you'd ask something along those lines. Um, the best I think I could do is probably narrowing it down to three, right. um, which would be between Wake Up, Fistful of Steel and Bullet in the Head. I think all of those are pretty powerful and in-your-face sort of songs and had some pretty vivid, I guess, uh, lyrics in them. I think, for me, I've always thought that Bullet in the Head was my favourite track. Just the way that, you know, the start of it's just on the bass. With a yeah, of it's an amazing intro. And then the way it just builds up and absolutely just goes off the off the rails completely at the end there. Yeah, just just shouting a bullet in your head, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that, that reminds me of a... Oh, I can't remember. It was some, someone's party. I feel like it may have been um, one of Danielle's parties or something. You know, everyone was listening to some sort of pop or, you know, radio-style music, and then <laughs> then we put that song there on to try and get things pumping, and everyone was just like, <laughs> how are these guys on? <laughs> this is way, way too much. <laughs> It's a weird one, isn't it? Because, like, I think most people would be reasonably familiar with at least Killing of the Name. Especially, I mean, maybe you and I have a little bit of a warped perspective on it just because, you know, we grew up listening to this kind of music, grew up listening to the rock. So the rock, the radio stations, it was always playing, you know, some Rage Against the Machine, right? Yeah, I think most people know Killing of the Name just simply because of that. Is it the last half of the song where you start shouting, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me? Mm, yeah, like 10 times over. Well, I'm not sure how many is actually. It might even be more. <laughs> but, yeah, because I feel like most people at some point feel like that, right? 
I mean, I, I know that the context of the song is probably more political or something like that. Yeah, everyone can relate it to their own own scenarios, I guess. Especially that piece, just like the amount of anger and passion, like you say, throughout the whole album, but in this piece as well, just screaming like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Like, of course mm. that's going to get people, you know, that's going to make people feel something, right? Get people's emotions out. and <laughs> So... I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. We're gonna talk a little bit about politics to some extent. Oh wow! Jeez, <laughs> there we go. Didn't know that was gonna happen. It was an ambitious project from the start in the sense that I wasn't going to talk about politics, having studied politics and reading about politics almost every day. So <laughs> exactly. But what I was struck by was just like how relevant this album still is today. I mean, it came out in '92. The topics go from like police brutality. Corrupt political systems, corrupt politicians, corrupt um, education systems, and all those things like seem just as relevant today as they did almost thirty years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, they're not kind of really getting any better, I guess. And in sort of, I guess the last few years, they've, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Rage <laughs> albums have been selling even more. You know, after all the sort of Trump in America and. Because for me, it feels like, you know, because they're so relevant, like, it's very hard to listen to those lyrics. And because the lyrics are reasonably simplistic in the sense, you know, like, they're not massive long raps detailed through, you know, thousands of different ideas. A lot of them are even quite repetitive. That's not to say that they're not mm. powerful or bad lyrics, but they're just like, you know, there's power and simplicity. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point, actually, because... Usually repetitive songs kind of um, really get to me. It's like, oh, come on, this is dragging on. Get to the next part of the song. But I feel like in the Rage songs, they like this is a lot of very repetitive parts, but I feel like every time he's, you know, screaming it out, it's just like, you know, even another level of passion that doesn't, you know, doesn't sound exactly the same. It's like, you know, even more. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just, um, just a personal thing, but. Yeah, no, the, the repetitiveness and, and the Rage songs definitely, definitely doesn't get to me like other bands. No, yeah, I'm the same. And then, like, because to me it's impossible that you would listen to this the, those lyrics and then not feel like, you know, if it's killing the name, like, oh, yeah, there's a problem with, the, you know, like, those those problems that you identify with the police force, they still exist. Or uh, Take the Power Back is about the education system, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, Take the Power Back, where the teacher stands in front of the class um, you know, like that's clearly about education system, and it's again for me like really difficult to believe that someone would listen to that and not be like, oh, I, I can, you know, at least this guy he certainly feels what he's talking about with the education system. Uh, I think I think they note that um, <clears throat> quite a few times throughout um, different songs as well, and kind of I guess although it's not specifically said, kind of hinting at you know brainwashing children from an early age to you know believe in a certain way and that's the only way you should <clears throat> should look at things and that's obviously a, a huge problem so just outside of this album do you remember in it must have been 2006 where it was here in the uk like it became a, well, a petition or a, almost a movement for people to get <clears throat> sorry killing in the name as number one on the christmas charts no i do remember that because i came across the video of it recently it was successful killing in the name came first and then so the BBC wanted them to play Killing in the Name as like a live, a live thing on radio in celebration of getting to number one. 
the BBC because it's the BBC was like, well, we can't have any swearing. Well, I think in the first instance they were like, well, this is our song, we don't want to change it because this is how the song is, right? And then so the BBC pushed back and was like, no, no, we can't do that. It has to have, it has to be censored or you know whatever. It just can't have the swear words in it. And so they they agreed to it, and then they start playing. They started playing the song on the day, and then they just went straight back into it. Like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Live on radio. <laughs> oh, really? If I was sat at the BBC, I'd be like, of course they were going to do that. The lyrics. You'd have to not- expect something, yeah. If you knew anything about them, you knew that, um, you know, something was coming. They're never going to agree to such a thing. Yeah, and then even if you don't know about Rage Against Machine, even if you don't know, you know, about the band, you just look at the lyric and it's, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. It's like, oh, we're trying to get these people to do something that they don't want to do. Like, what do you expect to happen? The <laughs> <laughs> producers, what do you, probably didn't, probably didn't even know much about them at all. No, so it was, it was cool to watch that, that video. But I mean, that's going back 15 years now as well. So now I, I want to move on to the album I Sent You, which was Idol's Joy as an Act of Resistance, which I'm not sure if you'd heard of them before, but may have been a bit of a, a bit of an outside. outside Very call. outside. <laughs> I was like, who is this? What have you given me here? Are you stitching me up with something? Yeah. So... Admittedly, I probably gave you one of the tougher albums. Like, you know, I gave Rob a Black Eves album, which you will have heard one or two songs from. Even Connor, he got rated R by Queens of the Stone Age, which, you know, most people will have heard some tracks from, right? Yeah. No, this um, was definitely out of the blue. I was like, mm, who are these guys at? I wasn't even sure um, how to pronounce their name to begin with. Is it, is it, is it Idols or Idlis or <laughs> what's going on here? So... Um, I guess my first question is like, what was your what was your impression listening through the album? Well, to be to begin with, like I jumped on it uh, as soon as you uh, let me know what it was, and I listened to the first. Uh, I think I made it to the second song, and I was like, oh shit, I don't really like this. Eh? <laughs> That's that. Oh, okay. Um, right, I'll just I'll put it down. I'll come back to it later. At that stage, and definitely the early stages, I just felt like it was kind of the same sort of rhythm and melody throughout most of the songs. I was like, you know, listening to a completely different song and almost felt like you kind of had almost the exact same rhythm, just, you know, with different lyrics and and quite fairly repetitive as well. Um, (laughs) Obviously, we talked about that before, but I guess that made it drag on a wee bit. Then I think uh, a few few days later, I was just was cleaning the house actually, and I was like, oh, I'll put some music in my ears to you know make this a wee bit more fun. I was like, right, good opportunity to to re-listen to the album, and I was like, oh yeah, it's um it's got some energy. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, kind of give me a bit of motivation to <laughs> actually put some effort into into this cleaning, and it's quite um uh, raw, maybe sort of abrasive. A lot of, lot of energy. And anyway, uh, after that, I left it for for a couple more days, and then one of the, one of the songs came into my head, and I just started humming along. I was like, "Oh, jeez, that's actually, that's actually the album James gave me far out." <laughs> and I just, since then, I guess I've <clears throat> just listened to it more and more, and I actually, um, actually really like it now. But I can't believe I'm saying that because at the beginning, I was like, "Jeez, how am I going to tell you I don't like it?" Because <laughs> I spoke with Rob 
when because I got in contact with you to do the podcast before I got in contact with Rob, but Rob did the podcast a month or so ago now. When we were talking, you know, either before or after the episode, he's like, "Oh, the album you sent Brandon, I don't think Brandon's still into it." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I don't know." Nah. I, I think nah, my response think... at the time was like, "Brandon's a smart guy; he'll, he'll figure something out to say at least, even if he doesn't like." It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we had um, we had a party at Sean's actually. It must have been like a week or so after he gave me that album, and we're all it was quite late in the night. Jeez, I think it was early hours of the morning, and. Robert said, oh, okay, you know, should um should listen to this and <laughs> get their opinion. And they were they had very much the same opinion as me. They were kind of like, oh, okay, this is just like just going on and on. And, you know, it um, all sounds very similar. I'm, gl- I'm glad you enjoyed it in the end because there was two words you used to describe it, which I think are perfect, which are raw and abrasive. They have a real sort of <clears throat> punky feel to them. I think the first time I listened to the full album, I was like, geez, this is kind of like, sort of like a more refined, modern version of the Sex Pistols. Yeah, so it's interesting because the band refused to accept the term punk, but I can't think of a term that suits them better. <laughs> oh, it's definitely punk. It's just um, refined punk. That's what I'd call it. Yeah, I think it falls into this category of like neo-punk, you know, just like, because there is a bit of revitalization of punk, the idols, um, the Viagra Boys out of Sweden, and not their album I sent to Elliot on this podcast, the Fontaine's DC, the Irish band. And it's like, they're all sort of punky bands, all with quite a raw sound, some with more distortion, some with less abrasive, whatever, but they're all sort of drawing on those like punk aesthetics of fast songs, guitar, bass, drums. There's like that punk feel, fast songs, and just like not overproduced. Yeah, that is, that's the surprising part, actually, because when I say refined, I feel like um, probably the instrument, well, all, all the guitar parts, I would say, are semi-refined. Drums and bass are pretty refined, I would say, but the singing, I still feel, is, you know, it's, it's fairly clear and not, I wouldn't say that messy, but it's, it's very raw. <laughs> yeah, is a, he certainly has a... A particular voice. Yeah, when I sent this album, I was like, I, I wasn't sure if you would like it, and the reason why I chose it was because it was like, Rage Against the Machine is a, they certainly have an element of rawness to them. So I just saw this as like, you know, because the album came out uh, in two thousand sixteen. They uh, They are actually very similar. I wasn't even thinking about that till today, actually, and I was like, far out. They kind of. That both bands kind of share that same energy and passion, and you know, um, both of their their lyrics are, are fairly uh, political as well. They just slightly it, different. Yeah, they express it in different ways. You know, like Rage Against Machine, uh, much closer to a metal band, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely um, different genres. Yeah, I'm glad that you like see the connection as well, because when I first I first heard this album. I wouldn't have been much before you, like, maybe October, November last year, because a friend in the UK sent it to me. He sent the one bef- uh, that came after this, Ultra Mono, and I, I just did not enjoy one, but far too raw, far too abrasive. Nothing in it, for me, it just sounded like, you know, one of those albums, kind of like St. Anger, which I love, actually, but you just kind of almost feel beaten up after it. You just like, I need something <laughs> soothing and relaxing to listen to. Yeah, actually, um, I, I had a wee bit of a 
sort of go through some of their other albums and um, the album before this, um, is it Brutalism, is it? Um, it that's that not one, too bad. I might, might give that um, a bit more of a listen, but yeah, the um, the one that you were talking about, the, the newest album, I was like, oh, okay, no, what is this? It's almost sounds like they've lost their way a wee bit. Yeah, to me, like, so I've only listened to these two el- uh, those two albums, and Ultramono just seems like, it's like, how can we take what we did in Joy as an Act of Resistance and turn that to 11? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then Mr. Mark. Yeah, you know, it, it, I think that's a, of course, be completely wrong, but if, you know, if the approach for us that what made, what made that album work, if they think what made that album work was just how raw and abrasive it was, dialing that up would make a better album. Like, <laughs> it just, like, it was a bit more nuanced than that, right? They kind of, um, I guess needed to go down the path of, I don't know, sort of evolving a wee bit more than as, as much as I hate to say that because I'm always annoyed when a band puts out a new album and it's it's not like their old albums, but at the same time, you know, if they keep repeating the same thing, then <laughs> it's just going to get boring, isn't it? And uh, I guess quite often with those, you know, new direction or a new path that a band takes, sometimes it's, and actually quite a lot of the time, it's actually quite good, even though you might not enjoy it to begin with as you remember um when the deaf magnetic album came out um when we were in high school and everyone was you know real enthusiastic about hearing it for the first time and i think a few of us gathered gathered around to hear it on youtube or something like that and then everyone was like oh jesus is shit isn't it um i actually love the album now it's actually probably um probably yeah um, probably in my top 10 even Oh, see, I, I'm not a big fan whatsoever of Death Magnetic, and my reasoning is because it's just like, if Metallica like, how can we recapture what we did in the first four albums? <laughs> yeah, well, that might be why I like it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because I much prefer St. Anger, which, you know, I, I did a whole podcast episode on it. I absolutely love St. Anger. It was, you know, them just taking a completely different direction. Mm. Oh, I didn't mind that one either, actually. I remember, um, again, at high school, actually, I think we watched that, um, that some kind of monster. Yeah, Miss Ferguson, uh, man, just watch us, watch yeah, the planes, right? exactly. And I remember from there, I was like, oh, hell yeah. They're, um, they're pretty cool. I need to listen to more of this, these guys' stuff. Because it's something that I've talked about a bit on this podcast, is like that, the ability to develop as a band and develop your sound without either completely alienating everyone who listens to you or, you, you know, like, actually take the music where you want to go with it. And some bands absolutely atrocious at it. <laughs> and perhaps Ultramono is a version of that, you know, just an inability to develop the sound or in developing the sound, you know, just trying to take it to a more extreme version without understanding the nuance of why people liked it before. I think, it, I don't know if it's correct or not, but, you know, it might even come down to, to money, really, for some of these albums, you know, obviously, this album here was super popular and made heaps of money, let's let's try and redo it so we can get the same thing instead of, you know, actually sticking to, to what you enjoy doing, because that's how all the good music is made, right? Yeah, which would be a sad indictment of their, their punk status, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, for me, like, I don't have a lot more else to say about that album other than just like, because what I liked about it was like how raw it was, how aggressive it was. The first song's a bit of a weird one because it started off with the 
just the the tapping on the edge of the the snare rim or whatever it is that song's a bit s- slower and sort of builds up through and then it stops for 10 or 15 seconds and then it there's almost just a second song yeah i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of that first song at all i feel like they're the second songs that <clears throat> um, something about a man with a perm <laughs> never fight a man with a perm <laughs> yeah that song was um it's probably actually even my favorite uh, one off the album there's just a couple of they're almost like i know a lot of this stuff is uh the lyrics are obviously very serious but they have some kind of almost comedic <laughs> yeah. lines in some of them like one of them caught me out and i was like right i have to look up the lyrics for the song uh and i've actually got it up in front of me now <laughs> it was you look like a walking thyroid <laughs> you're not a man you're a gland you're yeah. one big neck with sausage hands <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> yeah, because that is from Never Fight a Man with a Perm, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favourite tracks. I, I really love um, Scum. Yeah, that is, that's quite an interesting one, actually. <laughs> it's kind of, um, yeah, I don't know. Is it sort of, is it coming from someone else, like looking at him? <laughs> or I, I guess so. Yeah, my interpretation of it was like, maybe this is specific to the UK, like, you, you know, there's a lot of, because class system is so important here, you know, people see working class people as just like scum, essentially. People don't understand the world, people are uncultured whatsoever, or anything like that. And so someone just looking at, you know, a working class person going like, oh, they're scum. While the working class person, all they're really interested in is like, why are the shops around me disappearing? Why is the world so shit? Mm. And so it's just sort yeah, of like, yeah. embrace an embracement of that. That's what I got from it. I could be completely wrong, of course. Mm, yeah, that, that's interesting. Actually, I didn't really think about. Um, obviously, I don't even really know about uh, what it's like over there uh, as far as the, the class system goes. Working as a management consultant, I'm distinctly middle class, that's for sure. So I'm not sure how much you know I can t- interpret of what working class people's lives are like here. But yeah, that's how I'd read it. And... and- Sorry. Do you kind of see sort of, um, I guess, upper class people sort of looking looking down on the on the middle and lower class and sort of, you know, making life worse for them? Or oh, definitely. I, I mean, this is something oh, I'd happily talk your ear off about. Just to keep it brief for the context of this podcast and keeping politics to a minimum, I guess, is a lot of middle class and upper class people are very, you know, centred in London or all the big cities, so Leeds, Manchester, Edinburgh less so Glasgow, but, you know, and they have this very specific worldview which revolves around, you know, Brexit was bad, lockdowns are the correct policy response, and then, like, a lot of their, what do you call it, identity comes from, you know, identifying with these specific political things, and whereas, like, because the working class people mostly voted against, like, you know, to leave the EU, which yeah. ultimately probably hurt them, and so upper-class, middle-class people, political commentators, journalists are like, oh, these people just don't understand the world. They don't understand, you know, economics, all this kind of shit. And it's like, well, there must be a reason why so many people voted against Brexit. Because, yeah, exactly. you know, you, you can't tell someone else what's in their best interest. That's really, really paternalistic and patronising. I guess um, I kind of uh, assume something like that from, from a higher level. But what about, like, you know, um, almost, I guess, like, Probably didn't have that much time out of lockdown, so it's probably a bad question. But you know, like out on the street, you see, um, you know, what's what's people's response to like, you know, I guess beggars on the street or, um, 
people not not as well off as them are they kind of you know, happy to try and make their life better or does that sounds like they're probably more um you know who, who is the scum <laughs> yeah it's, it's an interesting one because glasgow is fucking depressing walking on the street sometime like because i live in the nice part of town the equivalent of um say rickerton in christchurch oh, yeah. and you, you see heaps of junkies just on the street you know nodding off and shit like that emily and i um we walked down to the shops like 15 minutes from my house and there was like, oh, I think we saw like five junkies. Far out. And, you know, like one one was completely asleep just on the street. It wasn't a particularly warm day, but it wasn't raining. I think here in Glasgow, people like give people on the street big uh, money a lot more regularly, particularly than New Zealand. Like in New Zealand, I never, ever saw people give beggars money, especially in Wellington. Mm. Whereas in Glasgow, it happens quite regularly. I find it weird here because if you go down to London, like people on the street are quite aggressive. And if you say like, oh, I'm not giving you money sort of thing, well, you wouldn't say it like that, but like, ah, sorry, I don't have any coins on me, whatever. They'd be quite aggressive to you and be like, oh, you know, fuck off. You're just a wanker, this kind of shit. Whereas like here, here in Glasgow, I, thought, I never have coins on me. I'm, I'm cashless these days, like most people. And I'm just like, ah, oh, sorry, I don't have any coins. They're like, hey, Bob, have a good day. <laughs> Which is just a, it's yeah. a bit of a strange, like you just don't expect that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so what what happens uh, in cases like that guy you're saying is just passed out on the street? Is would you would you see someone go and you know no, try no. and see if he's okay or no, no one does anything. Just left alone. Yeah, just left alone. It's a bit worrying. Isn't it? It's very worrying. Like, Jesus, is that still alive? Or yeah, exactly. Because it was a bit shocking to me. because like, it was the first time I really noticed like someone completely passed out, and I was like. You don't know if they're alive. <laughs> you have no idea. So this we, thing, though, is a, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? Because, you know, if they're just having a nice nap or something and you go and wake them up, then he's <laughs> probably going to be pretty pissed at you. <laughs> yeah, because he's just, you know, enjoying his little heroin nap. But, yeah, so for me, this album was very much like a rejection of a lot of this is maybe the way I understand the world, but, you know, like a lot of pop music and stuff like that, I associate with, you know, middle-class and upper-class people just like, oh, we listen to this music because this music's safe and sanitary. And mm. it's like, you know, this is the kind of music you would expect, the idols is the kind of music you'd expect to hear in the pub or, you know, like some shitty small concert venue. Yeah. Like yeah. really just music sure. of the people and then, you know, speaking for the people, you know, like this is how people in their world feel. Yep. And the problem is that it's, you know, <laughs> it's probably very rarely listened to um, kind of the upper class or the, the people in positions to actually you know do something about it yeah and the same is true of rage against the machine right that was you know it's not sanitized music whatsoever and it's they are oh, speaking, exactly yeah they're speaking uh, for, I'll, uh, sorry they're, you know they're speaking for the issues that they see unapologetically this is the world as they view it which is you know it's why i love i absolutely love the rage against the machine album i think if we just like go back to the music side of the idols album i think it runs a bit too long well, <laughs> that's where I get the going on and on for. I, I do find I kind of get about three quarters of the way through the album, and I'm like, I think just Samaritans is, is a pretty good song, actually. I really like that one. Television is like, okay, and from there it just goes downhill. I really like television. I think you can put that up. Maybe even leave it where it is and close on that song and mm. honestly just get rid of the last half of the album. <laughs> I guess um, they probably had to, you know, fill the album with something, right? <laughs>
Yeah. Actually, um, just thinking about that, I'm just, you know, scrolling through um, the album and far out the song June, that's a, that's a uh, mood changer, isn't it? Uh, which one's June? I wouldn't actually know. Oh, June is the one about uh, stillbirth. Oh, okay, yes, um, that one's... that are never worn. That's some, that's some pretty, pretty out there sort of... <laughs> Sort of lyrics, say eh? it's kind of um, changes the mood a wee bit. Yeah, so what if, from what I understand, that's a real personal song, and that that's actually what the lead singer and his wife went through. Oh, jeez. All right. I, I guess it, it's not too surprising. You know, most of these things, I guess, um, come from their experiences. Yeah, absolutely ballsy, and to put that on an album, very vulnerable. Very, very, yeah, far out. It's just not something that most people would probably even, you know, want to share with their friends, let alone tell the whole world. Yeah, literally sing about from the rooftops. Um, yeah, I think um, this is kind of um, what they do throughout the album, though. I, yeah, I kind of feel like they're trying to, you know, let all their emotions out. Yeah, oh, 100%. Because, like, fight, Never Fight a Man with a Perm is quite clearly about, like, their view on toxic, uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah. Then yeah. I watched the music video for that one. That's quite interesting, actually. Have you seen that? No, I'll have to give that a listen to uh, a watch. Then there's one song that's just very much about immigration. There's one that's specifically about Brexit. I mean, they very much have chosen specific things to sing about, and they are very clear about it, which I like. Yeah, no, it um, <clears throat> definitely makes it more interesting. I didn't even really, um, you know, the first couple of listens, I didn't really pick up on it. It was more listening to, uh, I guess, the music in general, and then, yeah, the lyrics started coming through, and it's like, oh, it's quite cool. It's, you know, it gives it another layer. I just think we're sort of like approaching the time where I normally get us to wrap things up. So at the end, if you've actually ever listened to a full episode, I, I normally get the, the guest to recommend an album, another album to listen to. Um, but I've sprung this on you, so I'll go first. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> While you scramble and think in the background of an album <laughs> to think about, to suggest. The one I want to uh, mention is Worms by the Viagra Boys, which is quite similar to this in sound. Not as raw or abrasive, but a lot of those punk sort of overtones from that. Yeah, they're a Swedish band singing in English. Yeah, just a great album. I think most people should give a listen to if they like idols yeah, so, so I think you um may have mentioned them earlier on and I was kind of thinking mm, haven't heard of them either so yeah. <laughs> lining me up with a <clears throat> with another album that I am um, or another artist that I know nothing about I sent them to um, Rob which is Rob, good. I think he said not too bad not too bad <laughs> That's a kind of a, not really, but I'm saying it nicely. <laughs> yeah, no, he's been quite vocal when he says he just doesn't like albums, but... Yeah, no, that's true. So, so originally, um, right when we talked about this right at the beginning, and I said I put no thought into the album, the Rage Against the Machine self-titled <clears throat> that I gave you, I guess at that point it was just, it's an album we both love, but the way this is probably supposed to be is giving each other an, an album that, you know, we wouldn't usually listen to um, to find new music. So I'm going to give you the Swords High Country album. I, I haven't listened to much of the Sword. I know because as a group, we got introduced to them because they were supporting Metallica one year on tour, right? Yep. One of the first, first opening band, I think, for them. Yeah. And then I think especially you and Sean got into them. 
Yeah, yep. Um, quite into the <clears throat> around that time, got quite into the early albums, but they've actually they've put out quite a few albums now, and it gets they get quite different. Like they've got to change of pace. You'll you'll listen to this one, and you you probably won't even you know really tie the tie the original stuff together with um with this album. There's some kind of odd, kind of strange <laughs> songs on there. Okay. No, I definitely look forward to giving that a listen. Yeah, so really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and having a chat about these two albums. Yeah, no, that's um, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been good. Definitely, sort of <laughs> opened my eyes a wee bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that I mean, Rob texted me the other day saying that he's like, oh, I'm pushing myself to listen to new music. So I was like, at least one person has got something from this other than me, which is for me that's a win. I, you know, I have. I think about 180 listens across the 10, 10 episodes I've released. I don't even think my mum regularly listens to it. So <laughs> I'm glad that... It's not too bad, though. It's not too bad. you got to start somewhere. I guess how many episodes you're up to now? This will be the... This is the 11th one that I'm recording. Oh, yeah. um, I've got Sean lined up as well. Yeah, Robert told me about that. <laughs> yeah, Tom as well. And I'm doing a recording on Wednesday night with Sana, my cousin. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, cool. yeah, you're lucky that you're first in the queue because it means it'll be edited and processed first. But, you know, like, whoever goes last, whether it's Tom or Sean, I don't fancy their chances to send their episode out before June. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I, I can kind of already um, pick what um, Tom's Tom's one will be, eh? <laughs> Yeah, well, that'll be a little teaser for everyone. Um, we're doing a, a Swedish metal episode. I, he sent me Swedish metal, and I sent him Swedish metal. So, oh, really? Far out. Yeah. Did you Did you actually know that Swedish metal band that you that you put forward, or did you yeah. just? Um... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I won't get too much into it. I'll, I'll tell you more about it um, off off the pod, off the episode, just so I don't give away too much other people. But yeah, it's safe to say. It, um, Swedish metal album episode. Oh, I'll look forward to that. All right. Well, um, cheers for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me.